hashtag Tim and Sid. Of course, I go by the name of the kid. Famous. Wow. This here is the Tim and Sid Show. You are now tuned in. Coast to coast. Entertaining the masses. Sports entertainment. Yeah. It's about to get started. Sit back. Enjoy the show. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. It's Tim and Sid for Wednesday, February 3rd. I'm Tim McAuliffe. He's Sid Sixero. Coming up in just a few moments from now, we talk live to the dude that everyone is talking about. Fred Van Vliet, not just a 50-piece. How about 54 last night in Orlando? He will join us in just a few moments. A loaded show. Elliot Friedman will join us momentarily. Pro Football Hall of Famer Chris Carter. Timmy will be by mm-hmm. Super Bowl week. The hype in full swing. And, of course, Kenny the Jet Smith from inside the NBA on TNT. Uh, it is a busy show, but we uh, we have an obvious lead here. And last night, Tim, as we bring Freddie into the conversation, I know Freddie even knows this. Last night officially was the 2130th game in Raptors franchise history, regular season and postseason uh, in the previous 2,129, we had never seen someone do what our next guest did last night. 54 points. Efficient. There was defense. It's everything you want. Fred Van Vliet is joining us live from Orlando here on Tim and Sid. Uh, Fred, allow us to be the uh, 800 people uh, to congratulate you on last night. When you, you, know, you know when you wake up in the morning and, and you momentarily forget what day of the week it is and what happened yesterday? Did that happen to you? Like, for a half second, when you woke up today, Fred, did you forget you had 54 last night? Did it have to come to you? No, I didn't forget that. I wasn't forgetting that. That was fresh on the mind. Um, slept like a baby and <laughs> woke up <laughs> woke up this morning and, um, you know, obviously checked my phone and still getting, you know, calls and messages. So even if I wanted to forget it, I'd probably have to throw my phone away to be able to do that. Have you ever had a game like that, like Wichita State, uh, Auburn High School? Have you ever done that? Yeah, yeah. I've had some, like, growing up as a kid, you know, AAU high school where you just find that zone. And I think the closest thing to that was the way that I was shooting the ball in the playoffs and the championship run, you know, after having my son. So um, that was a big part of, you know, my focus last night. Once I knew I was hot, I just try to, try to you know, make it last as long as possible. Uh, post game, you wore um, you wore a sweatshirt with a huge S on your chest. You legit look like Superman in every sense of the word. Last was that strategic last night, or just was that just the wardrobe choice you made? Nah, it wasn't strategic, but uh, you know, definitely it, it made sense for sure. Fred Van Vliet uh, with an audience here on Tim and Sid Live, uh, coast to coast. Go ahead, Timmy. We we got a glimpse of the video when you walked into the room. What what did that feel like to you walking in? and getting mobbed by your teammates? Uh, it was cold, first and foremost. It, it definitely <laughs> didn't grab any room temp water. That was all refrigerated um, water. But, no, that was cool, man. It was a cool moment. It was, uh, you know, awesome to just be able to celebrate like that. And that was, like, one of the first normal things we've done, you know, obviously due to COVID and all the restrictions and things. We're not supposed to shake hands or do anything during the game with other teams and all that. So that was that was just like a breath of fresh air a little bit as far as being able to celebrate, you know, like you normally would. I'm a failed athlete, but loved it. It shaped me. I romanticize sports and, uh, that's why I do this. That's why I wanted to work in the business. And as I watched the video, all I could think of was the brotherhood working towards a common goal. Um, the understanding of sacrifice, the understanding of the hard work that you've put in. Did you allow yourself 
to think of all that in that moment as your teammates mobbed you, or am I just projecting here? No, absolutely. That's that's what makes it, you know, so special. That's why it happened the way that it happened. And, you know, you saw how happy my teammates were for me. You saw how unselfish they were playing once they knew I was hot, you know, making sure they find me. Kyle just forcing passes down the stretch to make sure I, I broke the record. Like, those are things you can't take for granted and, and definitely was a part of all of the emotions that I was feeling as as that night was happening. So while I'm really confident in myself and I expect myself to to be great, you know, I'm also not crazy enough to not enjoy it in the moment. Fred Van Vliet of the Raptors, a franchise best, 54 points last night against Orlando, live here on Tim and Sid. What What's the most unexpected text you got over the last 12 hours or so, Fred? Uh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um, probably just talking to my mom, and the first thing you know she said was, I, I should have got 60 or 70. That was probably it. Uh, <laughs> She wanted to, she wanted to know why the guy stopped passing me the ball. You know how moms are. She couldn't <laughs> she couldn't believe how that I that I she felt like I should have scored seventy. So that was that was the first that was probably one of the first people I talked to after the game. Well, let's get let's hold on. Let's dive into that quickly though. The way you were feeling, if you wanted to start chucking like that, what do you think the number could have been if Fred Van Vliet was wired differently? Yeah, um, more than more than what it was for sure. Like if I was if I was being thirsty and trying to get more and uh, being even more aggressive than I was, like I, I, even the shots that I got were pretty much all catching shoots and you know within the offense. I didn't really try to break any off. Um, I thought about a, a logo three one time, but and I ended up getting a layup off of it. But I looked at it for a second and I was like, ah, it's going pretty good. I'm gonna take my chances. <laughs> Um, you know, my decision making. So it happened. It happened the right way for me. And, um, you know, hopefully it won't be the last time I I have a big game. It's so funny because Steph 62 earlier this year, like everyone was okay with him taking the logo threes to get to that number. Did, did any of that run through because of the way it happened, which is I mean, you just said it It came within the framework of the offense. It didn't look like anything was forced. Man, you had 54 and 23 shots, which is ridiculous. But did at the end, did anything run through your mind? Like, maybe I'm going to go after this 60. No, I don't want to be that guy. Like, what's the thought process in that moment, if there is any? Yeah, that was the, that was the whole thought press the entire game. And, you know, once I got, I think I had like 20 something at halftime. And then, you know, just to be honest, like if we were 20 and 0, I would have tried to get 80. I wouldn't have cared. But like the way this season been going, I'm just like, man, we got to get the win. I don't want to be one of those guys with 50 and a loss. You know what I mean? And uh, I was not trying to take any bad shots or change the momentum of the flow of the game to where we couldn't get it back. You know, so it was more so like trying to get the number and the win and also not mess it up trying to just get the number because. Like, it doesn't count for anything, you know, when you lose, especially this year, the way the season's been going for us. All right, Fred, let's kind of land on that for a second because we've seen the video a million times, and we ran it here, of the reaction you got going in the room. And it felt, I mean, I wasn't in the room when you won the Eastern Conference. Uh, I saw the room after you guys won a title, but I didn't see the room after that. Like, it felt it had some kind of playoff energy series clinching thing to it. What do you think this type of moment not just the number you put up, but how it made everyone feel around you. What do you think this can do for the team? Um, it just gives you a good vibe, man. It's just good vibes for, for everybody. And, 
one thing I learned about being in the NBA, you know, especially on a, on a great team is that, you know, it's, it's much easier to do your job when you're feeling good and, and camaraderie is good. And, you know, everybody's energy is upbeat and positive heading in the right direction. And, you know, when you lose, it's the opposite. You know, everything is negative. Every thought you have is negative. Everything you think about is what's this problem and this problem. We got to fix this and we got to fix that. But when, you know, winning cures all. And so um, I wouldn't say it felt like our playoff run that year. I, it was probably closer to like OG shot, you know, in the playoffs last year against Boston where we weren't playing well at the time. And that was just a moment for us to escape and, and try to build on something positive. I listened to your post game and it was like 10 minutes. Not once did you kind of credit yourself. It was all about rhythm, offense, your defense, playing defense, uh, your teammates. It didn't seem fake or phony. Was that the purpose of that post game was, yes, I want to enjoy this, but I also want to keep whatever this last two games felt like because we won them. Yeah. I mean, it's a team sport as well. You know, it's not really about me and as great as I think I am, you know, I've, I've come to accept that most people don't think I'm as good as I think I am. So I don't need to convince you guys of, of how good I am. All I need to do is go out there and play my game and focus on building with my teammates. I'm not really trying to tell the world how great I am. I, I keep those thoughts to myself and, you know, try to give performances like this. Well, I'll do it for you. Boy, was he great last night. Yeah. Fred Manfley <laughs> joining us here on Tim and Sid. Um, Fred, the one thing the one thing I haven't mentioned yet is is the fact that you went undrafted. Obviously, it's a big part of your story. It's, your, it's why you're an inspirational story. It's why you matter to so many young athletes in Canada and, and, and around America. Um, but I also think there comes a certain point in your story. You're a champion. You're a dad. You signed a, a huge deal. You are an established NBA. I believe there is a part of your story where we got to kind of move past that as well. Do you, will you always take pride in the undrafted angle of who Fred Van Vliet is? Because I, because, and this is just me personally, Fred, I'm not, I'm not talking for my co-host Tim or anyone. I felt like there was a moment last night where there was almost too much attention to the fact that you went undrafted and it, and it, it, in a way it didn't give you enough credit for the fact that all these things you have now done and will continue to do, you're 26, will continue to do. I think we have to, we, we should maybe refer to that a bit less in your story because of what you have accomplished. I mean, listen, you couldn't have said it any better, uh, but that's your job, not mine. Um, that's fair. I, I that's think fair. I think that, uh, you know, honestly, I think that the only reason why I uh, accept it is because it is talked about so much, and if I didn't accept it, I would just be, you know, ticked off all the time that people keep talking about it. And and the second part to that is I I do want that to be a small part of the story because there's more guys behind me that that are coming up the ranks. There, there's a Terrence Davis, you know what I mean? That that's an undrafted kid. There's you know, I don't know you know I, I would like to think my success in the NBA probably played a part in you know Malachi getting some more attention than he may have gotten you know five years ago. So you know just being like selfless and just contributing to the game because there's a lot of undrafted guys that are going to have similar stories to mine that are now going to get more opportunities because of things that me and, and other undrafted guys like me have done and shown and proved. So that's, that's my long answer to, to answer your question. I'm so glad that you gave the other side of the coin because I think there are a lot of people um, that are inspired by you. And, and whether it's undrafted is the thing that, that like we've talked to you a bunch of different times and there have been like, I keep being very cautious about saying when the payoff is 
for your bet on yourself because there's going to be 150 of them. And we talked to you after you made your first start at the United Center an hour away from home and talked about that as being a payoff. We talked to you after you signed your deal and, and talked about that being a payoff. Do you realize, though, in those moments, in every one of those moments, and even going back, like I opened Twitter this morning and it was like a role of Freddie Van Vliet. Like it was just everyone from DeMar, an account called Goodable that tries to focus on good stories, tweeted out your stories. <laughs> I saw the boardroom did it, showed, you know, your journey. Um, do you realize how many people you have come to represent with not only your story, but the way you handled yourself in that story, in the fire in the bubble, in in all of the social justice matters? Like you have come to represent a lot of things to a lot of people. And I think there was kind of an emotion that was that was laid out last night because of this latest accomplishment, if that makes any sense, a long way of going to say uh, a lot of people were happy for you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's the great part about it. You know what I mean? Is I resonate, my story resonates with people who I am resonates with people. And I mean, the, the, the best part about it is that it's, this is really who I am every day. You know what I mean? Like this is not an act on I this is who I am. I don't have a costume on. Um, it's real, it's raw, and, and people gravitate towards that, and they 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 like it. Now, I I get more, you know, um, satisfaction out of the everyday stories of people that before COVID, at least, when I encountered in the streets or athletes that that hit me up on social media, guys that look up to me, guys that I look up to, you know, getting that respect amongst your peers. That means more to me than a, a, a sports media outlet that didn't show me any attention until now. Like there's not a lot of people that can see that far ahead and they try to put their limitations that they have on themselves on the other people. And so I don't really get into that part of it, but it's more so just like the love and respect that, you know, I get amongst my peers and people that, that are following in my footsteps that I inspire. Yeah. Real people. Let's, let's, well, let's talk about that. Cause I, I know that, um, like for, from the outside looking in the DeMar tweets, cool, but that's a personal thing. That's a way more personal thing for you. Like when you, when you see stuff like that, I know it's, I know it's just a quick tweet, but yeah. how much does stuff like that mean to you? Yeah. I mean, it means everything. It means the most. I mean, you know, you gotta understand, like I, I was the guy, you know, when I came into camp five years ago, I was shooting on the side baskets at practice, and I'd be lucky if I had a coach over there with me. Like you know what I'm saying? And, and Demar saw that. Kyle saw that. You know, I was I was the guy carrying Kyle all Kyle's bags five years ago. Like this is not something that's made up or phony or fake. And yeah, we play into it on social media and all that, but that's a real thing. Demar will probably never know. You know how much I look up to him. Same thing with Kyle. You know what I'm saying? And and for those guys to see me succeed, it's really like you know seeing your little brother have success and that's that's the part that we don't we overlook because it's family and brother is you overused in, in sports world but you know i think for my story it, it means a lot for sure um you bring up kyle and again going back to the video last night um a why why do you, why do you think he was happier than you it might go it might play to some of what you were talking about forgive me but why do you think yeah. And B, what do you, what do you do with the game ball? Because I know he grabbed it for you. What are you gonna do with it? Uh, well, to answer the last question first, I was I'm gonna just wherever it is. They they probably 
take care of it better than I can because I would lose it. But um, <laughs> when we get it in a case or whatever, I'll put it at home somewhere, you know, put it with the rest of the memorabilia. But as far as Kyle goes, I think, like, it just speaks to what I said as far as, you know, he saw the very beginning of my pro career, you know what I mean? And, and I've been kind of by his side since I first got here and learning along the way. And I, I didn't... I didn't appreciate that until Malachi got here and I could see how much he was gravitating towards me and my story. And obviously the whole organization, you know, see something in him, um, you know, for him to grow as, as a young point guard. And we have a lot of similarities. So I, I couldn't imagine, you know, five years from now having a triple double being the one to give, you know, Malachi the, the assist to score 50, like that would be, the same thing you would see. I would be way more happier for him than he would be. And mm. and I think that's the best way I can explain it. That's why team culture is so important. Um, it's amazing. Uh, last one from me. Honestly, did you think that the franchise record points were going to be called a travel? Or was that the greatest Euro <laughs> step that I've ever seen in my life? <laughs> Yo, to be honest with you, I didn't know what was going to happen. I couldn't imagine that I would still be open again and I couldn't figure out why Kyle was throwing it. So by the time I saw the ball in the air, I saw Ennis, you know, kind of make a play on us. So I spun to not get cleared. I thought he was coming to knock me out. <laughs> so I spun to try to get out of the way. And, you know, luckily they didn't call it. But when it's going your way, it's going your way. And, and that was the epitome of that. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and final one for me, Fred, just because... You know, it's you've been such a huge piece of the most important. It's not arguably it's the most important few years in the franchise's history for the obvious reason. But there have been some guys on this team that can that can put up points. Um, when you look back at franchise history, kind of where like what do you think of when you think of you holding this mark after two thousand one hundred and thirty games compared to a young T Mac or Vince or Demar? Like when Kyle gets hot, Kyle can go off. I mean, like. How how much pride, knowing that Raptor history the way you do, how much pride do you take in this record? I take uh, the most pride you can take. Whatever that, if there's a word for that, that's the, the most. Um, you know, understanding the guys that have played here, um, the history. I mean, talking about being on. I'm looking at the screen, being on a slide with Moses Malone, and like that type of stuff is just. It's hard to even put into words what that means. I don't even know what it means. Like I'm still trying to digest it. So. Um, you know, I can't say I didn't expect to ever score 50 points, but to actually go and do it, it's like I'm I'm experiencing it for the first time, and you know, hopefully I'll be able to do it, you know, multiple times. But um, I just, you know, I'm I'm honored and blessed to be in a conversation with those guys. I watch Demar, you know, every night. I do things that I could never imagine myself being able to do, and that was a fun part to kind of do it in my way, the way that I play. There was none of those shots were uncharacteristic. None of those shots were outside of what I normally do. That's what made it so great. And that's also why it, it didn't feel crazy. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like explosive or unbelievable. It was just like, man, he's just doing it. It wasn't a, it wasn't a normal 50. It was a, a Freddy 50 is what you're telling. Yeah, it was a Freddy sure, 50. For sure. Freddy 50. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, we've talked to you enough to know that we don't say congratulations on this because you expect this of yourself. However, I will say it was a lot of fun watching people take pleasure in what you were doing. And as a real sports fan who just happens to do this for a job, uh, that was awesome last night. 
Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks and for also, doing this. And, and Fred, appreciate, and appreciate and doing this in a moment where it's really uncomfortable for you guys, considering the circumstances here, travel and, and, and home and family. Like, just it's not lost on us as well. So, like, you gave us all a moment, but we're all still thinking, hey, and, and we, nothing but respect to what you and everyone's doing down there. Thank you, guys, man. Stay safe. You, you too. too. All right. There is uh, Freddie Van Vliet, fresh off of 50. Uh, don't forget the three steals, three blocks, too. It was a good since, night. Since 83-84, you know who's done that? 50-plus, three steals, three blocks. You know who's done that? Jordan, Akeem, Dirk, Anthony Davis, and Fred Van Vliet. Some good names on that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Tim, the, the, the last... Um, because we, sorry, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember everything we just talked about. Um, what he said there towards the end about doing it in the flow of the game, the way he would normally yeah. do it. Yeah. Like this, this was not, this was not like James Harden just going. No. And with no ball movement, and here's what's going to happen, and you not know, and step. I know what's going to happen. Not even stuff. Not even stuff. Nope. It was just a totally unique. It almost respected the game more like the actual game of basketball to do it the way Van Vliet did it than how we would normally see it in this, especially now in the NBA today. You know what I mean by that? Right. Like just yep. in this Instagram world we live in, just, it's just different. Fred Van Vliet not only did it his way, he did it in a team structure. He was efficient and they won the damn game on top of it. A game they kind of had to win because they're right now in the throes of that East, right? It's a weird time for the Raptors. They're not out of it. They're not in it. It's kind of, there's a lot of basketball to play here. So that was, uh, but to down, down to what you said, Tim, also towards the end of that, just fun. Yeah. How much, how much fun was that? You know, we, we can't use the word fun a lot of the last 12 months for obvious reasons. That was just fun to digest and to, and to soak in and to root for him. And, Although yeah. calling a travel on that, on that record bucket would have been <laughs> unbelievable. Great but point by you. Great point. Part of it was how many people want to cheer for him. And the reason people want to cheer for him, you just heard. Because of the guy that he is. And listen, I kept referring to conversations that we had had with him in the past. And in December of 2018, we got Fred Van Vliet in studio. Uh, both of us were fans of the bet on yourself story. And we were trying to get him in studio. And he, he kind of finally came in and he just signed what was the two-year $18 million contract in the summer of 2018. And just come off his first NBA start, as I mentioned, at the United Center about an hour away from home in Rockford, Illinois. And I made the mistake of acting like the script was done, like the movie was written, the payoff uh, there. And when I looked back earlier today at the interview, I thought, man, we got to play this because Freddie knew there was more. And was there ever more like an NBA title, a magical run after his son was born, an iconic moment when he was elbowed in the grill and got back up. It symbolized the Raptors toughness when he had the cut under his eye, never mind the $84 million deal that he got. And now a 50 piece. It's like he knew the movie wasn't and isn't done. Have a listen to him telling us this over two years ago. Now along your life, there's things of how your story goes. And, for me, the bet on yourself thing, yeah, it, it probably was born in that moment of not being drafted, but there's stories since I was five years old until now where you could apply that. And so there's going to be stories the rest of my life that I can apply it to as well. Like 54, 
against Orlando. Trippy. That was that was a Fred Van. That was a different time for Fred Van Vliet with us. Yeah, different time. Just kind of happy to be part of the team. Busted his ass, but happy to be part of the team. But he oh, knew. He knew. He knew. He knew. And you and I said to him before we break in that interview, yeah. the most dangerous people in any profession are the ones who know in their heart they don't know what I know. Yeah. That he is the textbook and, example of that. And let me every, say this. Which way. You see yourself in that, don't you? I think we both do. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate you saying that, but I think I think that's a commonality with with you and I and a few people but, we know in this business. But I think yeah, I would that's, agree with that. that's his beauty is that so many people see themselves in him, whether it's the 5'10 guy who isn't ridiculously athletic, whether it's the dude who believes firmly in his own talents, whether it's the dude who will stand up for what he believes in and say it from, from the soul and not seem fake or phony. Uh, I think a lot of people see themselves in him, and that's why it was so fun to watch yep. others watch him last night. Couldn't agree more. Thanks again uh, for Freddie, to Freddie Fan Fleet for joining us here after a franchise record 54. Raptors take on Brooklyn tomorrow. That's a test, and we'll talk about that tomorrow in the days to come. Or excuse me, Friday. That game is Friday. We'll talk about it in the days to come. All right, easy for me to say. Let's take a break. Coming up, Elliot Friedman. There's a lot of hockey going on. Pro Football Hall of Famer Chris Carter will join us as we get ready for Super Bowl 55. Kenny the Jet Smith. From inside the NBA on TNT, we'll talk Freddie and we'll talk about some other things happening around the league. It's a busy show. Paul Maurice is angry. We'll play you that audio. There's just there's a lot happening. This is Tim and Sid live on TV and radio. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back to Tim and Sid. I know Elliot Friedman is there, but we got a lot of reaction from our conversation with Fred Van Vliet, and a lot of it sounds like this. JR writes in what a humble and eloquent man always liked fred now more so rob good things happen to good people any more apparent than freddie just awesome terry great interview with fred van vliet on tim and sid such a class act could not be happier that he's a raptor a lot of people happy for him yeah no doubt a hell of a story uh, Tim, I'm sure a lot of favorable comments as well in the 31 Thoughts podcast. I dropped last week with you and I and Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. So many great comments, I'm sure, just along those lines, I think, unless Fried's <laughs> going to rip us on it. Time now for 3 of 31, brought to you by GMC Sierra AT4, the premium off-road pickup truck built for adventure. Elliot joined. Elliot, what was the feedback? I feel it was like maybe one of your worst downloaded pods ever. You know, I, I really hate to tell you this, but I really hate to tell you this, but apparently it was a big success. I knew it was it, Jim I Rutherford and Sixero was fishing. My God, it. was he I fishing? Feeling, <laughs> I had a feeling. I said to Tim, they're slumming it here. This is a bad choice. Jeff and Fried are going to, they're going to regret it. Uh, but that, no, in all seriousness, that was, that was fun. That was fun for Thanks for having us on. Really appreciate it. No, it was, it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I would also like to shout out a uh, Twitter user, dchat13 who looked at your uh, guest lineup today and said, Elliot is the Barry Horowitz of the show today. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, look at this. Fred Van Vliet, Chris Carter, Kenny Smith, Elliot Friedman. Like, seriously, I am fourth, and I can't even see whoever's in third place here. Yeah, well, the other <laughs> did the other three go to Western? Don't think so, Fried. No, that's true. That's true. That's Don't a good point. So. Don't yeah. think so. 
Um, I mean, Elliot Freeman. If he graduated, but whatever. I was. Why were? Why I wasn't freeze for the record. I wasn't <laughs> going to mention that. I wasn't going to mention that. Um, let me let me get the unpleasantries NHL wise out of the way here. Freeze. How much concern is there surrounding the Devils Sabers situation internally? What are you hearing? Well, you know, I I think that. Look, I think it's kind of funny. I saw the email exchange today between John Vogel of The Athletic and Bill Daly from the NHL. And, you know, because uh, Vogel had reported yesterday the Sabres were really upset. And I had heard that some of the Sabres were really upset. And, you know, the league said, well, nobody complained to us. And, you know, basically sometimes I, I have seen situations where people have complained to reporters and not to other people. So I, I guess it's it's certainly possible. Um, you know, I, I do know that the Sabres were really concerned about it. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, the, the NFL came out last week and, and their chief medical officer, officer, Dr. Alan Sills, they had a conference call and he said that their, what was proven to them was the line he used was it didn't cross the line of scrimmage, so to speak. But they also said that this whole thing about within six six feet for 15 minutes also didn't necessarily mean anything either. So I just think that, you know, we're, I just think that we're still at the mercy of this. Um, you know, I think it's going to come down to guys like how widespread does this get uh, on Buffalo? I mean, New Jersey, it looks like um, it's internal mainly. And now we've got a scare with Minnesota and we're going to see how far that goes internally. But, you know, I, I think the, the I think a lot of people are going to be watching Buffalo. Even those are like, I don't know the science behind this. I don't know the medicine behind this. I'm watching the same as you guys are. But I think we're all going to be very curious to see what happens with Buffalo over the next few days. I know some of their players were very nervous about it. And hopefully it's not that widespread. There were two guys on the list last night, Hall and Ristolainen. And we'll see where it goes. But, um, you know, the NFL, that's one thing that they said really saved their season was they had tougher guidelines on the teams internally, and they didn't feel that there was a lot of evidence or any evidence that it was going from team to team. But they have bigger stadiums, more ventilation, and they did say that they felt that was the key was ventilation. So. I mean, we'll see, guys. I, I, I don't feel comfortable saying much more than that. Is there – is listen, this is a very delicate question, and I understand it, but is there um, rethinking on how professional sports may line up for a vaccine given how easily it can disrupt what they're doing? Well, look, I, I think this, like um, – I, I, look, I think like, look like the IOC came out last week, or was it the Canadian Olympic Committee came out last week and said, "Hey, um, you know, the IOC would like us to vaccinate, you know, before the Olympics. So could we do that?" And you saw what the reaction was. Right. Like I'm sure all of these leagues would love to get their hands on this as quickly as they could. You don't think that you know what's going on in the NBA and what's going on in the NHL doesn't have them all thinking about it? For sure, they're thinking about it, but you know, would they? Would, if there was, if there was an option to acquire it privately, would they consider it? I'm sure they would consider it, but they know if they do, what it's what the, what the out the outrage is going to be like. I mean, you know, people are going to be furious, 
And, you know, Adam Silver, a couple months ago, I think, said, you know, we're not going to do that. And, um, you know, I, you saw what the reaction was in the NHL when there was the report that they were going to think about doing that and they had how yeah. quickly they had to come out and deny it. So, Tim, like, you know what's going to happen if it happens. Yeah. It's going to be the pushback is going to be enormous. Yeah, and just the way people are feeling right now, like I don't know, you know, pushback is a proper way to describe it. Just straight out anger, I think, is what's well, yeah. I mean, from a lot of people. Look, we're, I mean, everybody in this country is getting mad about the rollout, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, Absolutely. You know, I mean, like, you better be ready for it if you try it. Yeah. If you don't care, that's one thing. Like, if you want to power through that PR disaster and say to hell with yeah. it. Hey, it's, that's your choice, but that's a tough road to hoe. Like when you get on that road, there's no off ramp. Like you, you're you're on for a while. Anyway, uh, let's. Like, let's like I gotta on. tell you, like I thought that thing in the the like I cannot believe that that thing the other night with the Lakers and those two fans. Like yeah. they were not they were allowed to take off their mask. Like like how can you let that happen? I I just don't get it. It's yeah. Shocking. That's a whole. We can do another hour on that incident for a lot of various <laughs> reasons. Um, Elliot Freeman here on Tim and Sid. Let's move on here. Uh, Elliot, I I would I wish assume we had the there... podcast for that. One. Oh yeah, we need a podcast for that. <laughs> Uncensored. Uh, yeah. Freach, Tony D'Angelo of the Rangers here. He's played his last game. Yeah. How many teams? Cause I'm assuming teams don't necessarily feel comfortable if they're just kicking tires, having their names out there. But I'll, I'll ask you for a number. How many teams, from a number standpoint, are kicking tires on on Tony D'Angelo and the Rangers? You know, I can't, I honestly don't know, Sid, because I don't, like, like, I think one of the things is, like, I, I would believe this. I, I think almost everybody has had a conversation internally about it. But, you know, you think that they want, like, for example, say I was to call up GMX right. and say, are you guys discussing this? You think that, that that person wants me going on Tim and Sid and saying, yeah, uh, Team X is, is thinking about Tony D'Angelo? Yeah, you don't want that. You know, like, like I'll give you an example. When, when we reported that Mike Babcock was in the coaching mix for Washington, um, like I think Peter Laviolette was always number one choice, but Babcock had a great interview, and I think they thought about it. Like I think for a time they were like, boy, what if he's the right guy? And when they got out, you know, some of the Capitals fans were very upset about it. And I, I like I said, I think Laviolette was going to be the choice. But I also do believe that the amount of noise was the term I heard. You know, like the Capitals recognized it. So, you know, I, I think, so I do think there's teams right now. And I think there's, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody has had the conversation. I mean, defensemen who can get points. He was, what, fourth in scoring defensemen last year. I'm sure everybody's had the conversation. But I don't think anybody wants to make it known until they absolutely have to do it, that they're actually in it. The one part of this that I think almost needs to be said, and I don't know how many people know it, is like I'm a huge believer in getting second chances, especially people who are accountable for their mistakes. But Tony D'Angelo has gotten a lot of chances. Like there's, yes, he, he has. Is, he's made a lot of mistakes. He, yes, he has. But I, and, and, and I'm not, not going to argue with that at all. He has. Right. I just think the other thing, too, right now, Tim, is that, you know, we're all sitting around. People are really struggling. Our lives are not normal. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, to some of the things he's put out on Twitter about COVID, 
don't do that. Like this thing is, is, is really hurting people when it comes to health, when it comes to finances. Yeah. Don't do that. And yep. because people, it's, it's not, we don't need that. We don't need that. For all, for, 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 some, for a lot of the reasons we talked about earlier about the vaccine. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. there's a, yeah. too many people are being affected in too many different ways to have any patience level for your take. But mm-hmm. <laughs> like seriously, right. so I'm I'm right. with you 100 percent on that one, Fridge. Uh, go ahead, Timmy. You want to jump in with the final? No, I want to go to the sends though, and I know oh, we're running out of time. Do you, so, Fridge, I, I, I just what are the sends going to do here, and what will the patience with what it looks like um, could be a really tough year in Ottawa? Well, you know, I think the thing is is that not getting a save has just sucked the life out of that group. Like if you look at the game the other night against Edmonton, the first one where dry at six points and McDavid five, they actually outshot them 31, 19, I think five on five. And someone told me when the score was like eight to three or whatever it was that five on five, the scoring chances were like 13, nothing senators. So Edmonton was destroying them on the power play, but Ottawa was holding its own five on five. And last night, you know, it's pretty obvious that they they, they need they think Murray needs to reset. And because last night on the third goal, the one where Holberg lost the net, any other situation, the goalie would get pulled, and you'd go to the other guy. But it's obvious they're like, we can't do that with Murray. We're restarting this process here, and we, we can't do that. And I think that like their their goals against average right now is five. There hasn't been a team in the league that's had a goals against average like that in 27 years. And I think that what we're looking at is they just don't believe that they can get a save. And it's just tearing that group apart. And, like, I think it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to lose like that. And, like, I just think it's really hard. Like, you can see on the looks on those players' faces that – Everything starts from there. Now, you still have to compete hard and you still have to play hard. But I think the thing they're most worried about is you look at your young core, the Kachuks, the Shabbats, the Stutzels, all those other guys there. You're worried about that and what it's going to do to their psyche. And you just have to play hard and you've got to stick to your structure while your goalies fight through this. I'm sure they're looking around to see if they can bring another goalie. And I, I don't have any doubt about that. They're not the but only ones. Yeah, but look yeah. how hard it is to trade for players right now, no, it's, you're especially right. you're goalies. Right. It's really difficult. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll see how that plays out, definitely. Elliot Friedman uh, from Hockey Night in Canada from Sports Center, also 31 Thoughts, the podcast. Who And, and earlier today we found out uh, Tim and I just completed the most successful 31 Thoughts podcast ever. So we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for that. Unsolicited fishing of a compliment, but thank you. Uh, have well, have you a good night, bud. Means, it means, it means we've got to bring you back. Oh my! Oh. I'll check my schedule. It might be full. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my nap time coming up, Fridge. I'll let you know. Take it easy, buddy. It's gonna be your nap. All right, time. guys. Take care. See you, man. There is Elliot Elliot Friedman. We're not. We're not done talking hockey. Um, Paul Maurice with another one for the ages. Uh, we'll play it for you and attempt to explain what it means and if he's right. Next, Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. You're listening and watching Tim and Sid. Well, you're probably doing one or the other. 
listening or watching. D chat writes back in. What's option after, three? After <laughs> could be on in the background. Yeah, maybe, maybe. D chat wrote in earlier and said Elliot is the Barry Horowitz of the show today. After announcing that we would have Fred Van Vliet, Chris Carter, and Kenny Smith, along with Elliot Friedman. Friedman brings that up on the show. D-Chat responds, thanks for the shout-out, Friedge. You're a winner in my book, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> There's D-Chat. <laughs> so Chris Carter, Kenny Smith, Hall of Famer, NBA on TNT. Like, this is just a jam-packed show, and we haven't even got to what Paul Maurice said today. Well, let's get to it. Sound of the day, courtesy of a quick exchange between Sportsnet's Sean Reynolds in Winnipeg and Paul Murray. So the Jets win last night. They're third in the North. Now, they're, they're, they're doing okay, but there are some aspects of the Jets that are interesting, like Pierre-Luc Dubois isn't playing. Patrick Liney is gone and had a rough start to his Columbus career last night, by the way. We haven't mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Blake Wheeler has struggled here. Now, points-wise, he's fine. He's like a points-per-game guy. But he's minus nine through 10 games. And defensively, Blake Wheeler, as captain, has had some hairy moments. This is, a, this is a big talking point locally in Winnipeg. So Sean Reynolds brings it up, and then Paul Maurice takes it in another direction. First voice you're going to hear is Sean Reynolds with Sportsnet. Roll it. Clearly, it's a little frustrating taking the questions about Blake, and I think he's probably frustrated as well. I'm wondering if you think he's earned the right from what he's proven in his career to Avoid criticism, or at the very least, he's earned a little bit of buffer from that criticism when it's perceived he's not playing his best hockey. I'd just like you to be right about it. Like, I, 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 right, you'll, you'll do your deep dives and analytics, and God, they do a horse job of telling you what five guys do. Like, the goal that you're, you're beacon them on last night, you got put in a real tough spot by a horse back check by somebody else, right? And... I'm sensitive to it because I've been in awe of this guy since I got here. His his work level, like he's unimpeachable in his character and how he runs that room and how he plays. I'm not so much protective of Blake Wheeler. I'm more protective of the Winnipeg Jets. Like you get a guy in your town that plays that hard and is such a fine, fine leader and a fine man. Let's be real careful. If If his plus minus number... <laughs> isn't what you want. Like, he's prorated out at about 88 points, man. And and we're 10 games in. We're 6-3-1. and one. You're beacon my captain. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm offended by it. Woo! That's good sound, man. I'm sorry. That's good sound. Tim McAuliffe, your, your initial impressions are what? I I, uh, I love the end of it. You're, you're beacon my captain. I'm offended. Like, I just... <laughs> it It is... It is wonderful. Um, and I think Paul Maurice is a really good coach. Agreed. I think Paul Maurice is um, getting a lot out of a team that hasn't even seen the Vesna Hellebuck yet. And they're 6 3 and 1. Like, he's lost line A, hasn't replaced him with the guy that you've got so far. And I think all of those are evident in that clip. He's protecting his captain. He's kind of sort of right about his captain. And he's also gaining points in his room with his guys. Yeah, he's doing what he has to do. That is what, if you're Paul Maurice, you have to do that. Now, from a media standpoint, 
if if any other big time star in any other Canadian market is a minus nine right now, that's a story. What that's a story. Whether it's Shea Weber, whether it's Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Elias right, Pettersson, it doesn't it doesn't matter. That's that is but what a story. he but what his he what he's saying is is it right? For, repeat, like, I saw something in my ear. Tim, I'm sorry. Repeat what you just said. Is it right that that's a story? I got you. It might be a story, yeah. but is it right? And I'm very careful with these things because, like, I was once playing on a basketball team, junior varsity, where I realized I'm not the playmaker or the shooter here, so I'm just going to play this role. And my coach talked to me about that role, and anyone watching from the outside would say, that's useless, and yet it made our team better. So I'm yeah. always very careful about saying anything is absolute when you don't know what the coach has asked the player to do. Valid point. Valid point. We don't have a, we On don't a have more selfish, titillating aspect of it, though, anytime any coach goes after the analytics community, I perk up because this is going to be good. But this is a good argument right now. We'll, we'll get yeah. back to it next. Chris By Carter, way, Kennedy, Chris the Jet Smith, next. Tim and Sid. It's time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and Sid Sexero. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Another hour too sweet to be sour. This is Tim and Sid across the Sportsnet radio and television networks. Kenny the Jet Smith in about 25 minutes from now on Freddie Van Vliet's awesome night who we had in the show, check out the podcast. Uh, he was really good. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Brooklyn Nets, whether or not they need to play defense, and many other things uh, with our good friend, Kennedy Jetsmith, again, in about 25 minutes. But, Sydney, we never keep a Hall of Famer waiting. Well, Tim, growing up, let's go Hall of Famer all the way around. Football, broadcasting. You're an, you were an NFL primetime guy growing up like me, right? Mm-hmm. Like so many football fans. And whenever the incomparable Chris Berman and Tom Jackson – would do a Vikings pack and say, Chris Carter, all he does is catch touchdowns. It was just burned into my memory. He did it 130 times on his way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it is an honor to have Chris Carter, one of the greatest wide receivers in the history of the game, here uh, on Tim and Sid talking about Super Bowl week. Chris, welcome to the show, sir. How you doing? Thank you for having me on the show. How you guys doing? It's, it's Super Bowl week. We're talking to Chris Carter. Life's okay right now in this moment, uh, Chris. Things are good. Things are good. Uh, I know it's not a normal Super Bowl week for any of us, but does it? Do, do you still have the same excitement heading into Sunday this week as you would other weeks, or is it? Does it obviously feel a little different? Well, the thing about it, it's definitely different. I mean, there's nothing in the world that is the same. Um, the people um, in Canada have done a tremendous job. You guys should be commended. Um, how you've dealt with the virus, um, how you've tried to take care of each other. But here in the United States, the National Football League, they did a tremendous job, played all the games during the regular season. Um, some of them, none of them, you know, uh, we had we played makeup, changed the date, but all the games were played. Playoffs, everything went off without a hitch. And now we're down to four days before the, the big game. And I just got to Tampa. And I'm here with the NFL at their um, semi-bubble that they've created. It is a different. Um, the streets are different. And one thing that's very, very different, even though the people aren't here yet, is the fanfare. Because for the first time, 
a team is going to be able to represent the home team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there are banners. There's boats with flags on it. My goodness, the city of Tampa has embraced this team with Tom Brady. So that part right there is very different, even though we're in a pandemic. Uh, Tampa's having a pretty good year, even in the pandemic. Uh, the Lightning won the Stanley Cup. This could be a this yeah. could be a banner year in Tampa. Um, Chris, you 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 hear it. We all hear it. There is a ton of chatter about the quarterbacks in this game, and I get it because they're really really good. I just as Sixero was talking about your career, who would you have fit better with, Mahomes or Brady? Whew. Well, I just think that um, I'm very, very fortunate that I was able to have the type of teammates and system around me um, that I was able to have the type of career. I think when you get, you know, someone like Tom Brady, um, he will make any wide receiver look good. Uh, My buddy Randy Moss went there for a couple of years, and you saw the kind of numbers they were able to compile. So Tom Brady, it'd be um, just really not a fair comparison with him being the greatest of all time and the greatest player that I think in the league that we have in Patrick Mahomes. So it would be a pleasure. Um, they got a lot of stars on both sides of the ball. Um, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, to me, are unguardable. Um, so uh, I'm not going to take any shine away from the wide receivers and the tight ends um, that are, will, will light up the scoreboard on Sunday in Super Bowl 55. Um, I would have loved to, to, to play a series of downs with any one of those quarterbacks. <laughs> Pro Football Hall of Famer Chris Carter uh, here on Tim and Sid as we get ready for Super Bowl 55 Sunday in Tampa. So you just, Chris, I want to I land on something you said. You, you, you basically said it is an impossibility, and the statistics would back you up on this. It is an impossibility to properly defend Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and that is the conundrum any defense has and has had basically since the 2019 AFC title game trying to corral mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I'm, I, I, wanna, I respect Tom Brady a great deal in Tampa. Just based on what you just said, though, I can't see this going any other way Sunday than Kansas City lifting Lombardi again because you can't deal with those two guys, whether it's Tyreek taking the top off or Kelsey just getting open 15 yards from scrimmage. Does Tampa have a defense, in your opinion, to somewhat corral that and make this a game? they got to play a lot of zone coverage, and they really have to rely on their front four and the rotation of that front four. they got some mismatches. Kansas City's offensive line is banged up, and JPP is going to have something to say about this. And compared to taking a title away from Tom Brady, he's going to have the opportunity to add to um, the trophy case of Tom Brady. Um, their, Their front seven. You know, Shaq Barrett coming on the outside. They had five sacks in in the um, Green Bay game, NFC Championship game. Interior, watch for the interior. Um, You know, Vita is back. He's going to be a lot healthier after playing the NFC Championship game. Um, And Dominican Sue is always a load. So, for me, there's no – I understand what you're saying. Conventional wisdom would say, okay, no one can guard these guys. But Tom Brady is on the other side. And I right. do believe that Todd Bowles will be able to come up with a game plan to be able to slow them down. I believe the key to the game is how many broken plays can Patrick Mahomes make? How many plays will he make with his legs where there was a sack, there was a pressure, and he's able to gain yards um, either with his legs or by biding time and finding someone down the field. Last year, Super Bowl in San Francisco where Nicky Bowles was going crazy. 
Mahomes was able to make some plays with his legs to get that offense going. So Super Bowl 55, I think it will be a version of that. I believe it will be a shootout. I believe both quarterbacks will throw for a combined 600 yards. So they're going to score a lot of points, but it's going to come down to Patrick Mahomes avoiding the rush, avoiding one of those defenders, making some plays with his legs because I believe his toe is going to be a lot healthy in this game. He's got a couple of weeks, and that's a big couple of weeks. But for, for the uninitiated, Chris, for, for those who haven't caught as many touchdown passes of you, for those who don't have the gold jacket that you have, how big is missing your two starting tackles? I mean, it's huge. Their offensive line coach has done a tremendous job. Um, I had the, the, the young man who opted out, the guard, who's a, who's a doctor. Um, Laurent Duarte. I had him on a, a Zoom call last week. I mean, phenomenal man. I mean, what type of human? Like, uh, you know, some days we, we wake up and be like, man, one day I want to do some stuff like that. This guy's living it on a daily basis, putting his career on halt, maybe jeopardizing the rest of his career so he could save um, his fellow man and fellow woman um, there in Canada. One of the greatest stories that we have surrounding this season was his ability to opt out and say, I can do something. I have a gift that's far more important. So, um, the tremendous, tremendous stories. The offensive line coach has done a tremendous job adjusting, but they have so many weapons. So watch them trying to run the ball sideways, a lot of speed sweeps, a lot of misdirection to slow up those mismatches. They have to stay, people say, obvious football talk. you got to stay out of third and long. But in this game, when you have those matchups up front that are not favorable to Kansas City, how much can Mahomes use his legs? How much did Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy dial up runs running sideways to slow up that rush? Pro Football Hall of Famer Chris Carter here on Tim and Sid. One and and just just to add uh, one thing to your praise of Laurent Duvernay Tardif, Chris. He 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 is doing this months after signing a forty-two million dollar contract. <laughs> yeah, he signed it yeah. in April, and months later yeah. he's at a long-term care facility in, in here back here in Quebec. Uh, he is a national treasure. Believe me, we we appreciate him here as well. Um, Chris, when you're, I have to ask because you you you're a Hall of Famer, 130 touchdowns. Wide receivers far and wide would do unspeakable things to have had the career that you have, a fantastic, fantastic career. But I gotta ask, when Super Bowl week comes around, how much do you think about the ring? How much do you think about that opportunity? That didn't quite happen, and it's 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 no it's no slight. A lot of amazing amazing players in all sports just didn't have it happen. The timing wasn't right. How much do you think of that this week? Well, let's just do the simple math. This is Super Bowl Fifty Five. There's relatively fifty five to sixty guys every year that that win the Super Bowl. All right, so there, there's fifty guys going to get a ring every year. Roughly, there's five to seven. Guys going into the Hall of Fame. The Super Bowl is about one season. The Hall of Fame is about a number of things that you were spectacular over a period of time that they can't tell the history of the game of football without putting your name in there. So that's one of the questions you have to ask yourself as a Hall of Famer. Does he have to be part of the story? So would you rather be part of a Sunday night in Tampa in the month of February in 2021? Or would you love to be part of the conversation about the history of the game and the era that you were a part of and how you made a all-decade team, how you went to eight consecutive Pro Bowls? 
how you went from 1993 to 2001 and didn't miss a game in the NFL, that being regular season or the playoffs. So the gun's to your head. Which one would you pick? Uh, I think the sales job is obvious there. I want to go to the gold. I want to go to the gold jacket dinner. I want to go to the gold jacket dinner. Yeah, sold, Chris. Sold. Uh, I. I mean, it, I was. It, it's so special, and yeah. um, it's a gift from above. Um, he gave me a lot of talent, gave me the work ethic, and put me in the right situation. But when you look at twenty-six thousand men have played football in the National Football League, have been paid to play the game. Only 12,000 of us played more than four years in the game. And to now to look at, to say that I played 16 years and to look at where I am in the Hall of Fame, one of 350 men in those thousands and thousands who played, forget about those who dreamt about it. So um, I'm very, very fortunate. Um, you know, the, the Hall of Fame is, is such an unbelievable, unbelievable accomplishment that I can't believe that I'm in. Chris Last Carter week, joining us. Mean Joe, Green, mean Joe Green's wife texts me just to check on me and see how I'm doing. <laughs> like, you can win a Super Bowl, but <laughs> this is just different. And for those who have experienced both, Mike Irvin and I talk about this. He's like, Chris, I won three Super Bowls. I say, okay, you want me to give you 600 catches and 70 touchdowns? Because that's the difference in our career. <laughs> Do you think that that's 600, 600 catches, 70 touchdowns? Like, no, it ain't. it's not my fault. I was on a show <laughs> in New England, and it's no slight to Troy Brown. Troy Brown has several rings. Right. Like he was, that was his situation. That was his life. You know, I don't hate on that, but I wouldn't want to be Troy Brown. Like he had a great career, stands alone in itself. He's a great guy. But over the course of time, you know, if you can do a radio show for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, be like, okay, man, you got guys like Chris Carter, Kenny Smith on my show. You guys are doing all right. Compared to a radio show down that had a good season. <laughs> uh, and Butch Carter, too. We had Butch Carter on the show a bunch of times, too. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I have to ask, just because it's it's curious to me. Um, Go ahead. I've never played in a Super Bowl game. I've never played in an NFL game. And as you're talking about this, all I could think of was these two weeks leading in, all this talk all this hype, even in the year that we're in, does the Super Bowl and the hype of the Super Bowl get into dudes' heads? Yeah, because guys try to play too perfect. The bigger the game, uh, the more pressure, especially professional guys, try to put on themselves to make a difference or even out of fear. You know, you have a, a loyalty and a bond to your teammates. It's a brotherhood. Hey, man, I'm going to step with my left foot. You step with your left foot. I'm getting ready to duck right here. You duck. Like, we're all in this together. And I think the greatest pressure is not outside. The greatest pressure is what we put on ourselves. I don't want to let this guy down. Like, we've been practicing. We've been watching film and everything. And there is no do-over. Everybody's watching. Your your fifth-grade teacher that gave you a B in math, she <laughs> probably should have given you an A, she's watching the game. She wasn't watching the regular season. So there's more at stake. Um, it's not a normal game. 
but it still comes down to the game of football. And I listened to Tom Brady this week, and it's like, listen, it doesn't matter who's the best. This, that. It's about who plays the best in that 60 minutes of NFL football. So, yes, there's a lot of pressure. And I do believe that Kansas City has a huge advantage. Um, two seasons ago, they were in the AFC Championship, lost to Brady. Last yeah. year, Super Bowl champs. This year, back in the Super Bowl. So as much turnover as you have on teams, I believe that even though Tampa's at home, the comfort level of being in the game, it should be felt by more people on the Kansas City team. Chris Carter here on Timmons. Last one from me. Uh, like 10 years ago on this show, we talked about who should go up on my Wall of Fame man cave. I never thought it would turn out to be the set for a national television show, but man life. Uh, person one on the man cave wall uh, was Walter Payton, always would be. I said that uh, I would uh, I, I, listen. You were a, a Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner, and I know you did a roundtable with a couple of other guys: Kurt Warner, Troy Vincent, Warwick Dunn, Thomas Davis. Uh, it must mm-hmm. have been special to have that conversation. I got to ask you what you took from that conversation. It really was special, but it was just how special it was to every individual. And then we went back and started talking about because it's really it's the most coveted award the NFL has. You got to be a beast on the field, and on your one off day you have on Tuesdays, you got to be building something special in the community that's paying you a lot of money to be there. So the one thing Dennis Green used to teach us is, I don't want you to be a thief. I don't want you to come to Minnesota and steal these people's money. Um, the one day you have off, I want you to give back. And um, he put a lot of emphasis on giving back. So we created these programs in the inner city of Minneapolis. And the, the irony to it all was one of those kids that came through my program, one of the kids I mentored, happened to be Larry Fitzgerald. So I just challenge people to really reach back, um, give people an opportunity, um, be diverse in your thoughts, and you'd be surprised um, what can come out of rough situations. So um, I challenge the guys in every NFL city, how many Larry Fitzgeralds are walking around and need someone to grab them, someone to give them a little bit of advice, someone to give them some encouragement. So for me, that's the spirit of the Walter Payton Award. It's something I take very, very serious. And looking forward um, to the announcement of this year's award winner. I think I got a little um, little insight on, on who it might be. Uh, phenomenal character, phenomenal football player um, that will live up to the legacy that we have in the NFL with the Walter Payton Man of the Year and also nationwide being a sponsor. It's brought so much um, as far as visibility to the award, um, talking to the Payton family um, on a yearly basis to keep that what we call to keep the eternal flame of Walter Payton burning in the spirit um, of the great work that we do that won't be on the news. It won't be on Sports Center. That's because it's good stuff, good men doing good stuff. And it's really becoming one of the highlights of the NFL calendar, yeah. that announcement on Saturday. And I know this year will be different like everything else is different. And you had a weekend mm-hmm. filled. Listen, Peyton Manning's going to go first ballot Hall of Fame. There's going to be a lot of headlines from this weekend in the National Football League. But that Walter Payton Man of the Year award, when you really dig in, like you said, it's not the sexy stuff, right? Doesn't It doesn't lead no. ESPN. It doesn't do any of that stuff. But it's so right. important, some of the stories these men have to tell. It's just, I, I, I echo everything you just said. Uh, Chris, before we let you go, I want to jump ahead to Monday and mm-hmm. the sports talk culture across North America. So let's, let's play this out. Let's say Kansas City wins the game. Mm-hmm. 
We, mm-hmm. The three of us all know, and you may be invited onto a couple of shows to talk about this. The conversation will be Patrick Mahomes is well on his way to being the next Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes is well on his way to reeling in six Lombardies and maybe surpassing it. Do you let, – let, let's, let's look into the future here a little bit. If that's the conversation, will you buy into that, regardless of how he looked, just on the result alone, will you buy into that on the Monday? No, because I know what I've seen with Tom Brady the last 15 years. Patrick Mahomes can go out there and throw for 500 yards. But I am not going to be a prisoner of the moment. I know who Tom Brady is. In the Hall of Fame, we don't have different rooms. But it's obvious the conversation that we have about Tom Brady right now. Ten Super Bowls. The question used to be on every Monday after New England, what's the secret sauce? Is it Tom Brady or Belichick? Well, Tampa Bay's in the Super Bowl. New England's missing the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. So, yes, we got great players. But we said great things about Aaron Rodgers early in his career. We said great things about Dan Marino early in his career. But let's give some respect where it is due. All right? Patrick Mahomes, he is the best player that we have. He has a great opportunity. But he is going to have to play one of the best football games of his life to be able to knock Tom Brady from getting win number seven. Like He's a franchise in himself. New England's got six. Pittsburgh's got six. <laughs> Tom Brady can already have seven. Like so, no, sir. No, I won't be I won't be on Monday, no. I feel like we just need John Facenda. The road is littered with those who have bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> I appreciate appreciate the combo. Uh it's fun for us uh as as big football fans growing up and a man who once thought he had hands playing high school football at Senator O'Connor to talk with you. Thank you for doing this. Man, thank you guys for what you're doing. And the people of Canada, please keep doing what you're doing, man. We need more love in this world. You guys have been a great example. You guys are a great partner with the United States. And glad to be able to be on the show and hope to be on sometime very, very soon. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris. Appreciate you. Take care, guys. There is a pro football Hall of Famer owner and I think proud owner of a gold jacket. Picked up on yeah, that was big up for that. That was kind of awesome. I'm sorry, like Tim, yeah. like just Tim and I have no problem pulling back curtains. That's a guy we grew up watching. That's a guy we grew up admiring for for a lot of reasons. And um, I still got listen, man. I'm I'm just hearing him talk. I don't like he's, you know, broadcasting has been in his past. You can you can hear it. Mm-hmm. You can communicate. Um, that's that's one of the greatest wide receivers ever. And uh, and the the one thing I didn't ask him was what did Michael Irvin respond to after oh. after Chris Carter said it was it wasn't going to be safe for radio or TV I, so I I, <laughs> I I probably should have asked it anyway but I am curious what Irvin's response was to well I have way more stats than you and it also <laughs> sounded like he had a really good Michael Irvin impression like I I was going to yeah, go I, back and then he, we walked too far down a different road I wanted to get the Walter Payton question in there but I swear it sounded like I heard an amazing Michael Irvin impression uh, listen we got to take the break uh, he knew because we mentioned it and was impressed with the fact that we were having Kenny the Jet Smith on the show. Uh, There was a lot to talk about in basketball, including Malachi Flynn off to the G League bubble, as the Raptors have sent him to the 905. This just breaking. I'll fix my camera for TV after moving it to show Walter Payton in the man cave. It's fine now. It's good. 
That's good. And we will talk to Kenny the Jet Smith next, right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. Your camera still looks better than mine. This is Tim and Sid. Uh, Frank writes in and said, did Chris Carter low-key hint at LDT getting the Walter Payton Award? Let's not blow that up. Laurent Dune, I didn't even think of that. That's a great he, take. Maybe he did. He, he hasn't played down in the NFL. However, he also won the Lou Marsh Award. Very interesting if it ends up being our boy, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. There's some amazing, amazing candidates there, Tim, as you know, from every team. Like some crazy yeah. stories of selflessness. And there's a lot of a lot of people who deserve it. We would know uh, the nomination, though, too. So I'll maybe I'll double check that. No, the nominations are out. I can tell you who Kansas yeah. City nominated. Um, so every team, uh, just so you know, every team does put their their nominee out publicly. Uh, sorry to kind of hold up the show. I think this is worth looking <laughs> up, though. Uh, I don't think he's the Chiefs' nomination. That's why it's I'm Travis. It's it. actually Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. Mia culpa. Sorry about that. You know what? It should be Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Whatever. <laughs> Just a good idea. Travis Thought I'd throw it out there. In the community, but uh, good idea though. Good idea. Uh, so we'll find that out a little later on this week. But we go from the Hall of Famer Chris Carter to a Hall of Famer in our books, uh, a man who is uh, who is in several Hall of Fames, as a matter of fact. Kenny the Jet Smith joining us here on Tim and said, Kenny, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you guys doing? We're, uh, we're basking in the glow of a franchise record here for Fred Van Vliet. I mean, what, uh, take us back, Kenny. What's, what's your, what's your all time game high in an NBA affair? What point total is it for you? You know what the most interesting thing about what I'm about to tell you about that is my career high in high school, college and NBA are exactly the same in each Come level. On. Come on. Exactly. Okay. 41. Really? Points. That might've been my limit. forgive me kenny i stepped on you 41 points 41 points in high school 41 points in college and 41 points in the nba that's freaky man that is that is freaky isn't it it is wow what's it feel like to score 41 well i I don't know how fred felt 50 is different probably but 40 you don't feel like you're in a Zone, zone. You know what I mean? You're just, you're making the right plays. And you're like, I've seen five shots, six shots of mine go in in practice. So, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it didn't feel like, oh my God, I'm on fire. The only time that in the NBA, when it was actually against the Lakers when I had my 41 in the, back then, the Great Western Forum, which is now Staples Center is where they play. But I got a tip and dunk. <laughs> and I was like, off of a free throw. And I was like, oh, that's a little different. Like, you know, I'm 6'3". <laughs> I'm running around. Vladi, Vladi, I never Vladi, I'm supposed to block me out. I'm standing there. He doesn't block out. And I'm like, he didn't block out. And it goes up the rim and I tip dunk it. And I'm like, at 6'3", how many tip dunks have I had in the NBA? I was like, tonight might be a little special. <laughs> <laughs> But that night, but that night you got forty-one in the NBA. Like if you, if the, if if you were allowed to just be you, and just take a ton more, like what could you have had that night? Because Fred, Fred said I to us, forty-one. I, really... I played the way I would have. <laughs> I would have had forty-one. I, okay. I played the way I wanted to play. I wouldn't have taken more shots. 
I saw guys that were open. I, you know, I, I probably had, you know, eight or nine assists. You know, I was I was doing more than multiple things. And I, I'll never forget because it was, it was uh, Nick Van Exel. I think it was the first time he had ever played against me. And, and to this day, I saw him on a podcast, and he was like, they were like, oh, who's the one guy who gave it to you? He's like, Kenny Smith. That damn Kenny Smith gave it to me. <laughs> right? He, he, the guy didn't even finish the sentence. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's right. That was the first time he ever played against me. It was his rookie year. So, you know, I, I gave it to Nick in the Great Western Forum uh, in L.A. Uh, Kenny Jet Smith joining us here on Tim and Sid uh, career high forty one. Also had a pretty good finals game if I if I if I remember correctly, shooting it from three. W- when you see a guy like Fred Van Vliet, though, a thoughtful, hardworking, undrafted dude, drop a fifty piece on twenty three shots. What are you thinking? I'm 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 happy for him, and I think that's how many shots I took that night twenty three to get forty one. Yeah. Like, I didn't take a ton of shots, like, you know. So, it was, um, you know, I, I think for him, when I watch, you know, watch the guy, I actually got a chance to watch it. And um, I, as I'm watching the game, he was in rhythm, but he was taking shots that you expect him to make. I don't know how crazy that sounds. Like, when he made the shot, I was like, he shouldn't make that because he's Fred Van Bleek. The way he's been playing over the last – he just got – a multitude of his shots. Like, typically in a game, you're looking for, like, looking for certain areas of the floor, you know, because we throw the ball inside. These are where the shots come from. I'm only going to get five of these, Fred probably says in his mind. Like, I, if, when we run this play, I'm going to get five of these. If we run it 20 times, I'm only going to get five shots because someone else is going to shoot. They're going to double team. But they said, no, we're going to play it this way every every time. So all of a sudden those five went to 13. So he's like, Oh, I got 13 of these shots tonight. And so I was watching the game. Wasn't surprised because those were his shots. But it was very similar to what you were saying about your night. Like it wasn't just the 41. You were doing a bunch of things like that. Well, that was Fred's night last night. He was doing all kinds of stuff. He was, he was, That's why he was it being didn't look out of order. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It didn't look out of order because he was doing other things. And he just got more of his shots. He didn't get – he didn't go, okay, I'm going to be now um, Steph Curry or Dame Lillard, and I'm just going to start shooting from deeper, come across half court, take five of the – no, those were the shots that the Toronto Raptors were looking for for any of their players to take. They just came to him that night. Kenny the Jet Smith here on Tim and Sid. Anything more on the Raps that you want to get to, Sid? Because I wouldn't mind getting to the Nets. No, let's do the Nets. Let's put it in the, the, right. I love it. Let's go to the Nets. Let's go straight to them. Let's do that. Go ahead, Timmy. Go ahead. Uh, Brooklyn, listen, they're playing um, with legendary efficiency on offense and legendary deficiency on defense. Can they win that way? It's going to be hard uh, because you're going to play against the best teams in the semifinals, conference finals, and finals. So those three rounds – you're not going to be able to give guys multiple possessions. You're not going to be able to give guys uh, multiple easy looks. That, and they're small. So that is, to me, the, it's, it, it, more than anything, they're small. When their best lineups are on the floor, they're not big. So if the Lakers, their best lineup 
even when they supposedly are small, <laughs> they have, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron on the floor, 6'10", 6'9", whatever LeBron is, and then seven feet. So they're not really small. That's the illusion because Anthony plays all over the floor. But they're still big. And so Giannis, seven feet, when they play small, he's not really small, you know? That, mm-hmm. to me, would make Toronto good in the past. When they played small, Kawhi isn't small. You know, Abaka isn't small, even though he shoots threes, you know? So all of a sudden, they throw these lineups at you that appear to play perimeter, but they are huge, and they get offensive rebounds. And that's where I think if Brooklyn doesn't address, go trade for JaVale McGee in Cleveland. He's sitting on the bench. They got three guys. They got Allen, McGee, and 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 um, Drummond. Go get one of those guys. Like, they need size other than DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I think the Nets have a 2029 pick sitting there that they can throw, a second rounder for 2029. <laughs> go get JaVale McGee, sure. <laughs> I mean, you, you still have players on that team that are, you know, that could you could trade for JaVale McGee. And yeah, they just, they're going to be too little to me. When I watch them, I'm like, you think about this. You know, I'm not a, like, a lot of people aren't analytically, all, you know, all in the analytics. But their best players last night had great offensive nights. 37 or 39 for Kyrie, and I think it was like 30 for Durant, or close to 28, whatever, for Durant. Those two guys, they were minus while they were on the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he had 39 points, and they were minus eight when those guys, both guys were on the floor. That doesn't make any sense. That means that you just can't defend in other areas while you have your best players on the floor. Like, when you have your best players, now they, they play these positions, now who's guarding these? And that's the issue. You know, James Harden was the only guy who had a great game and, and was a positive player on the floor. But, but people at home, what positive means is, while I'm on the floor, the score is 0-0, zero, zero, and... I'm plus eight, regardless of what it is. So every time I come in, it starts at zero zero. What it, what is it? So that's what it means. They were minus eight. That means while they're on the floor, they were actually negative. That doesn't make sense unless you don't have but, you're not big enough. And and KD was eleven to thirteen and minus eight. Like that's crazy. But right, but, you're eleven to uh, thirteen. Kyrie shoots unbelievable, and then minus eight while they're on the floor. That doesn't make if, sense. Other than but if, I'm just too. But if you're Steve Nash, why fight it at this point? Like I, we all know what the numbers are. No, but I'm serious. We we know what the numbers he did are. It in Phoenix and it didn't work. That's why but, I don't but, like. But has okay, he great, seen this act before? Well, then you shouldn't have got James Harden. See, my point no, is, you're, you're right. James, you're supposed to keep one of them. You're supposed to keep another big. You're supposed to get another big that goes with that. Or there's a bunch of Dwight Howard's wow. around. There's a bunch of those guys that. You know, you saw what Dwight Howard did for the Lakers last year. And He's vital, yeah. He wouldn't, play, he wouldn't even play one series. And then the next series, you're like, this guy is helping them win it. Like, that's <laughs> what's gonna need. they're going to need. And they don't have that. They're going to they're gonna be really good. But if they don't get bigger, and, they, and it doesn't have to be a great player, just a guy who could defend the three and be big. So are you saying, just so I'm clear, are you saying it would be nice – if the Brooklyn Nets and Sean Marks go out and get that type of big 
to supplement all the minuses you're seeing around these three future, uh, maybe not Hall of Famers, but three, at least two surefire Hall of Famers? Or are you saying if they don't get that kind of big, if not two, they're going to, like Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly, they're not shaking in their boots? Because they're playing three guards. I agree, 100%. They're, they're playing Harden, Irving, and Durant. Those are three guards. And then you add Joe Harris, who's smaller than those guys. No, it doesn't work. Joe Harris is not a rebounder. This doesn't ha- it doesn't work. So you can't play three guards and then have two guards playing power forward and center. Because those three guys are staying perimeter on defense and offense. So you, you just you can play three guards, but you got to play some bigs with them. You can't play five guards and win. That's the Rockets so, last year. That's Phoenix in years past. You can't do it. So, so KD is 6'10", and I can hear people saying, all right, KD is 6'10". He might even be taller than that, depending on – like, can, can Nash and Dan Tony – like I suggested, honestly, at the start of the year – I said he should hire a defensive coordinator. Like, get the Dwayne Casey that Rick Carlisle had with the Dallas Mavericks. Like, I reiterated it when they got Harden. I even suggested a Canadian dude that Nash knows in Dave Smart, who won every national title in Canadian University basketball with his defense. Like, can you just improve your defense with what they have? No. No. You need the size. Okay. Think about this. Um. I had a big brother that I was taller than, so I'll use it in the reverse. It just came around that, like, I'm just bigger than my brother. My brother's 5'11", 6 feet. I was 6'3". Like, I'm going to get – I'm going to miss my shot. He's going to play great defense, and I'm going to jump over his back and get the rebound because I'm bigger than him. That's it. It has nothing to do with is he better than me. Did he box out? Did he have a great defensive scheme? Nah, little bro. You're too little. <laughs> like – and that's it. Yeah. Andre Drummond in Cleveland gets 17, 18 rebounds. Ten of them are just because he's bigger and stronger than everybody. The other eight he right. goes and gets. But the other ten, he's bigger and stronger than everyone. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I got an offensive – like I said, I started, we started with my career high. I got a rebound against Vladi Dibak and still remember it. I'm not supposed to get it. Like, I'm not supposed to get a rebound on Vladi Divac. That's it. It has nothing to do with a strategy. It's you funny, too. Jared, Jared Allen's Jared stat line in Cleveland the last few games, nice. Nice. It's just yeah, funny to see. Just, it just, yeah. In hindsight, with what you're telling us here, Kenny, it's funny to see. It's funny to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the only thing about DeAndre is, DeAndre is really good if this was five years ago. But I don't know for five years, but now in this stage of his career, can he play 37, 38 minutes in a playoff series three, four nights? That's why the Lakers had three of of those guys last year. They were like, they're like, oh, we got Anthony Davis, we got Dwight Howard, and we have um, JaVale McGee. Because Mm -hmm. those two guys can't play, they're not, at this stage in their career, they can't play those big minutes. So, all right, we got three of them. 
Uh, Kenny, before we let you go, I just want to ask, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching the Warriors play basketball, and maybe it's just because I thoroughly enjoy watching Steph play basketball. Um, can they win? Like, can they be in the mix in the Western Conference or not till Clay comes back? No, they can't be in the mix until Clay comes back because right. that that other person that he what Clay Thompson is, if he makes every defense that goes against Gun don't go to state not work because you're guarding two guys at that literally at the hash mark on the court. So that's two steps behind the three point line, which isn't that that far for either one of those. So now you think of your rotation. So I got to go help somebody, but I got to leave Clay to go help from the two points, two steps beyond the three point line. And then Steph is on the other one, which is two steps behind the three. And this would made them impossible to beat. Then you added Durant, who was two feet on the other side. So you have three guys. And then you had JaVale McGee, Looney, all of those guys, those bigs that could offensive rebound and get them second shot. So it was impossible to beat them. Um, Kenny, the Jet Smith here on Tim. It's, Kenny, before we let you go, I'm going to ignore Chuck's Super Bowl pick, and I'm interested in what you think. Who do I take? <laughs> Who do you like? I got to go with I got to go at home. I got to go with Kansas City. Uh, I mean, the guys. Nope, we have momentarily oh, lost. We, we got the we, gut. Can you, we got the. Can you hear me? Uh, Okay, oh, we got, got you. Go you. ahead. No, please. Said Patrick Mahomes. We heard yes, Mahomes. Mahomes. I heard Mahomes. Please. Please. You got a guy in his prime that's primed. That, that, <laughs> to me, that's, you know, that's Michael Jordan in his second championship game run. Like, wow. no, you're, you're not wow. going against him. Against wow. Magic. Like, remember when he beat Magic and Magic oh, yeah. was in yep. his ladder? Oh, yeah. That's what it looks like to me. It's Magic versus Michael. Magic is is the skating star, and and, and that's, that's Brady, and that's a great comparison. Holmes is, is MJ, and he's like, no, nah, there's a new guy, and this is I am that guy. That's me. That's, that's what it looks comparison. like. I love it. I love it. All right, Kenny. Uh, hey, one thing, one more thing. Do do you know Daddy Carlos from being around Atlanta? Because <laughs> man, was that. Was that all interesting? Like, I just, the whole thing was, like, so many levels. I don't know how they're down there. I don't know how the masks are off. I don't know. Like, dude's jacked. Um, and she's never, relative. I've never, never seen Daddy Carlos ever in my okay. life. But the hilarious, most hilarious comment of all was, was LeBron. Because he's like, no, I don't think they should have got kicked out. Like, <laughs> you know, he said it's peace. I said, well, but the funny thing he said, which is actually a compliment to Daddy Carlos and a dig and a, at the same time. He goes, yeah, I just thought it was some guy with his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, dude, then she was like, wait, that's my husband. He's like, I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Man, <you're right. laughs> that so was the good. funniest line. He's like, so I was with this guy with his daughter. And wait, she was saying it's his husband, so I was so confused. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I was like, why is he speaking uh, like that in front of his daughter? <laughs> uh, great catching up with you, dude. Uh, be well, and if you ever if you ever run into Daddy Carlos in, in, in ATL, you say hi for us, okay? 
Hey, Daddy Carlos got it popping. He, he has some young parties, man. Got to find that Carlos. Yep. He's, at, he's at live, apparently. apparently. No doubt. All right, All right, All right Kenny. Oh, you guys. Oh, that's good. Kenny that's the Jack good. Smith. How dare you speak that way in front of your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. So many levels. I wish I'd have brought that up earlier. Uh, that's pretty good. So many that's levels. That's pretty good. Um, a Kansas City Chief got half a haircut. We'll explain next, right here on Tim and Sid, Sportsnet Radio and TV. Half I'm intrigued. Haircut. I'm intrigued. We are nothing without your interaction on Tim and Sid. And despite the fact that uh, Twitter has become a cesspool of hate, uh, yelling and screaming, and then some fun mixed in, are we still... Really appreciate your tweets. Uh, Luke wrote in, among a few who said, is it just me or did Kenny Smith take something from Fred's night with the 54 and 23 uh, shots he should have made? I, I think that's a compliment. Like, I think what Kenny was saying was complimenting the game, that he didn't have to go outside of the framework of what he does to score the 54 last night. Am I, yeah. am I reading that wrong, Sid? No, you're not reading it wrong as Fred said it. Okay. Fred said numerous times after that last night that everything came in the flow of the game, which, again, isn't – that's not a rip in any way, shape, or form. First off, because Freddie agrees with you. Secondly, it's yeah. you can do that and still be a team guy in the system you're running. There's, that's the highest compliment you can pay a guy who just scored 54, as far as I'm concerned. Like, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. So, no, that's not, you're looking for stuff that ain't there. Move on. <laughs> um. It's a different Super Bowl week. I think we can all acknowledge that in 2021. Agreed. But it also feel, you know, like I don't feel the hype as much as I normally do. And I think because you don't see the sights that you normally see all week long when the media is down there and filming the scenics of the city and, you know, there's a, a Rash Madani doing a soliloquy in front of a wonderful uh sunny beautiful oceanside spot or golf and a side dot, spot at, a, at a, dot, and a marina like somewhere in a marina <laughs> yeah, like right. he's doing a great stand-up uh, we, to, yeah i know what you're saying and we, yeah. and we all crave it and also um i think the the news earlier this week when when two chiefs appeared on the covid list at the start of the week um it had a lot of people worrying about what this week might look like uh we ended up getting a little bit of clarity today on the Chiefs that appeared on the COVID list. Uh, Adam Schefter on Twitter. There were over 20 Chiefs players and staffers, including Patrick Mahomes, scheduled Sunday to get a haircut with the barber who tested positive for COVID, per sources. The Chiefs acted wisely and aggressively and pulled the barber mid-cut once his test results came in. And Schefter's news led to, if I'm not mistaken, Sid, more questions. Um, well, listen, the one thing we do know is Mahomes, so we're told, was nowhere near this guy, was going to be, but was nowhere near this guy. Um, again, as, as, I, as I've said to you a couple times this week, Tim, this, this game's getting played. Regardless of protocols and what they are, it, this game is happening. Whether, whether Patrick Mahomes came close to this dude or not, this game is happening as long as he tests negative. So I'm taking everything I hear this week with a grain of salt. 
And if there were bigger issues, I think we'd know about it. But I, I, I didn't draw that. I draw. I didn't draw as much from that as you did. I didn't draw it because I'm because I have a skeptical eye anyway on what I'm hearing. But as long as Mahomes is healthy, is but, the only thing anyone cares about. And he did, he was he was nowhere near this. Well, bar, hold on, Barbara of Seville, who came in and wanted to make everyone fresh for the game. Hold on, if there were. 10, 15 people that ended up on the COVID list because they got their haircuts by this guy. That's different. And, That's different. And, and how the hell is he there already cutting hair once his test results came in? Like, the Chiefs acted wisely and aggressively and pulled the barber mid-cut once his test results came in? The hell was he doing there without a test result? Well, he had tested. NFL Network's reporting he tested negative four straight times. That's how he was there in the first place. Now, there was a fifth that you're referencing, which is leading to all of this, with, that came back. It was, uh, uh, what's the phrase? Inconclusive. Inconclusive. There was a fifth inconclusive test to me, which led to all of this. So there were tests. Right. It's just like the happy couple in Atlanta. They were tested, obviously. Everything was safe. Everything was on the up and up. We all know that. So Daniel Kilgore, who is the center who went on the COVID list, posted a picture on Twitter with the hashtag new profile pick. And it is him with half of his haircut. <laughs> that looks absolutely amazing. And Schefter tweeted that he told, Kilger told the barber to finish the haircut. So I don't know who to believe. You know what? In all of this, I have no idea who to believe and who not to believe because I'm with you. They were never changing the date of the Super Bowl. Ever. Ever, Timmy. Protocols will be massaged left and right for this thing. Abs uh, By the way, Tim, I'm, I'm a little punchy right now. That was obviously a Photoshop you showed me, right? <laughs> I believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just I wanted to confirm, because so. if that wasn't, that's one of the greatest photos history or taken <laughs> in sports history, uh, right next to Ali and Cassius Clay and, and uh, Sonny Liston and just like some of the greats. Anyway, uh, that's funny. Not the last time we're going to talk about protocols of Super Bowl week, Timmy. I do anticipate. No. I know it's Wednesday. I know we're, we're getting there. But um, thanks to everyone who came on here. Fred Van Vliet, Chris Carter yeah, helped me show. out. Elliot Friedman, Kenny the Jet Smith, Tim McCall, fantastic as usual. Thank you for listening and watching. My thanks name is to Tim our bookers. Thanks yeah. to our bookers. Everyone doing a great job. I was average. I'll try and be better tomorrow. As we leave you, remember. I wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash please. your hands. And please. wash your hands. Especially washing if you're cutting your hair. Hands, washing your hands. <laughs> washing your hands. <laughs> I'm so tired. I don't even know if that's a photo.